Hello, and welcome to the Connected Community Podcast. Today, my guest is Isabel Wells, who is a shamanic practitioner, a Reiki master. She's the director of Reiki Cafe University, and she's the co-host of Reiki Cafe Radio. And today we talk about chakras, and I'm really excited to bring this topic to the table I wasn't really interested in chakras. I didn't really understand them. And I've been doing a training with Reiki Cafe University, and I'm so excited about the chakras. So today, Isabel and I talk about the main seven chakras, their location in the body, how to clear block chakras, what they look like, what are the associations with each of the different chakras, why they're important, and how they work separately and in conjunction with one another. This podcast is loaded full of chakra information, and I'm so excited to be sharing it with you today. If you're enjoying these podcasts, please take a moment to like, share, and subscribe. And I want to thank you so much for being here today. Enjoy. Hello, and welcome to the Connected Community Podcast, a place to explore possibility through mindfulness, movement, and self-discovery. Our intention is to deliver insight and inspiration while fostering conversations that are genuine, unfiltered, and deeply human. We hope you will enjoy today's episode. Hi, Izzy. Welcome to the Connected Community Podcast. I'm so excited to be talking to you today. Thank you. I am, I'm so excited and honored to be here. This is going to be a fantastic conversation. Yeah. So today we're going to talk about chakras, and um, but I want to first introduce you and kind of who you are and the things that you're into. So do you mind just sharing a little bit about your background with Reiki and shamanic healing and intuitive readings and things like that? Absolutely. So I feel like my story has kind of taken a a really winding road. And so I like to give a little bit of background to kind of contextualize where I've ended up. So I grew up training to be a classical ballet dancer. That was my life for 18 years. And one day I started having some really horrible health issues. My adrenals started failing and that led to a cascade of other organs failing and not doing their jobs. And I spent probably a good seven years in and out of Western medical institutions looking for a solution, trying to find something that would help me regain my health and nothing was working. Eventually I had to stop dancing in order to save my health. And in the process of doing that, I started looking at alternative medicines because Western medicine wasn't having something that for me, in my case, was was working or was giving me that outcome that I was looking for. And so I actually started by looking into traditional Chinese medicine because I had been familiar with things like acupuncture. And so I started going down that route. And it was in the process of doing that that I started looking at the organs and their emotional counterparts, because in traditional Chinese medicine, every organ has an emotion that kind of rules that organ or that it correlates to. And so I started looking at, you know, the adrenals and their correlation with things like fear and stress and past traumas. And this led me down a rabbit hole of, you know, I know like yourself, Nikki, I have a very scientific mind. I love finding the bridge between science and spirituality is kind of my purpose on earth right now. And I started looking at, you know, the connections between trauma and our brain and our hormones and our organs and all of these things. And so this led me down a rabbit hole where I started looking more at, you know, the chakras and the energetic 
blueprint that underlies our physical health and how when our energy or our emotions are in turmoil, so is our physical health and how that correlates and that process of going from health and alignment and balance into a state of dis-ease and what that looked like according to all of these different spiritual ideologies. And so from traditional Chinese medicine, I started going more into, you know, what some people call new age spirituality, but really we're looking at these, these practices that even though they're starting to come into pop culture now, they've been around for thousands of years, these ancient traditions of, of healing. And so I started looking into the chakras and that led me to Reiki. And through the process of that, I was actually able to heal all of my all of my illnesses, all of my organs. I'm not on any medication. I don't have to watch my health anymore. I'm I'm fully healed, which is incredible given that, you know, I spent seven years trying and trying and trying to get to this place. And so through that process, I really started to see, you know, this there there is weight to this. There's something here that can be beneficial. And so I really started diving in. I ended up going to school for nursing and psychology to explore that trauma connection there and got really, really into how trauma impacts the brain and impacts how we interact with ourselves, others in the world around us. And then while I was doing that, I started doing a really deep dive into things like Reiki. And eventually I came across Reiki Cafe University when it was still kind of in its budding stages. And Christina and I started working together. And that's when I got into things like shamanic practices. And again, these these practices that have been around for thousands of years that just present as another framework for looking at our health on all levels. And that's kind of taken me to where I am now. So now I'm, I'm the director of Reiki Cafe University and, and I teach Reiki and shamanism and intuitive connection for an international community. And it's it's such a joy to be able to share these things that have brought so much help and healing into my own life and be able to watch them resonate with other people. So that's kind of the long and short of, yeah. of my story. And I'm, I'm honored to have been able to share it for you today. Yeah. What were some of the things that you tried in that seven years? Oh, that's a great question. So at the height of my illness, I had about seven food allergies. I had a bowel disease, if you will, that meant that I wasn't absorbing any nutrients from my food. So I had chronic vitamin deficiencies. Mm-hmm. I had actually zero progesterone and estrogen in my system. It, I have I have a test result where there's, there's wow. nothing there. Um, I had hypothyroidism. I had PCOS. I had adrenal failure. I had so many things happening with my hormones. And so there was a long period where I was trying, you know, I was taking progesterone and I was taking thyroid medication and I did all kinds of different diets to try and help with the, um, with the imbalances that I had in my system. And, you know, it, it was so interesting watching the process of going to, I think over the course of those seven years, I probably went to four or five different doctors and every doctor gave me a vastly different opinion on what was happening with me. I had one doctor who told me, and and bear in mind at this time, I was still dancing. I was dancing probably 50 hours a week. I was incredibly active because that's, that's what happens in when you're training to be a classical ballet dancer. And I had a doctor tell me that I wasn't exercising enough and I needed to run for an hour on the treadmill every day. And so I did that for a while. And then we went to the next doctor and she told me that I was exercising way too much. And that was what was causing my body to be in a state of stress. So I tried less for a while. It was really this process of, I I started feeling almost like a human ping pong ball Mm. because it became very clear that there there wasn't a solid answer. Nobody really knew what was going on or why I was having all of these issues. And so 
it was a lot of trial and error of trying all of these different medications and these different diets and these different ways of exercising. And I remember at one point I was taking 68 pills a day. My God. I regulate my, oh my, my system. Yeah. It was a combination of medications and vitamins and mm. it was, it was a lot. And it was, it got to a point where I had this game that I played with. Cause bear in mind at the time I was about 18 when all mm. of this, started. so I was, I was wow. really young to be dealing with all of this. And I remember at one point to try and just get through the day and not because, you know, 67 pills is so much to be intaking in one go. I, if you drink one pill at a time, your stomach gets so full. And so I ended up figuring out that I could swallow. I think my record was 18 pills at a time to try and mitigate that. So it was just, it, it got to this point where even just existing and existing within the scope of these treatments that I was trying to, that I was trying to use to regulate my body was just untenable. It wasn't working. It wasn't helping me. And I ended up in this really profound state of depression and anxiety and hopelessness, honestly, because by the end of it, I was just so completely drained. I remember one day before I started really diving into the spiritual aspect and I found that turnaround. I remember one day I was sitting there thinking to myself, it hurts to move. Like I couldn't, I couldn't even move without my body being in pain. And so it was, I think in many, many ways, it was looking back, it was a really profound experience that I'm incredibly grateful for. And, you know, people say that and you always think, oh, sure. How could you be grateful for something like that? Mm -hmm. They're just, you know, trying to be holier than thou. And and I know that's how it sounds. And, and at the time I, I wasn't, I was not in any way, shape or form grateful for anything that was going on with me. But I think looking back, there's no way that I could have found as much depth in my current practice and my current purpose as I do now if I hadn't seen how deep in that dysregulated state I could go. If I hadn't seen how much just trying to put band-aids on top of all of my symptoms and not digging to the root of Mm -hmm. what was happening and why I was so stressed and why I was so dysregulated, it did me a lot of good. And it gave me a lot of understanding to see what happens when you just try and put a bandaid on top of those Mm -hmm. things instead of getting to the root of it, which is really, again, that was really kind of the spark that got me to where I am today. Where did you discover the root of it was? Oh, that's a great question. So without going too deep, because I know, I know podcasts are light and uplifting. I had a, I had a very traumatic childhood. Um, I had some very incredibly harmful things happen to me when I was really young. And because, you know, you're young and and your brain is amazing in how it handles trauma and stress mm-hmm. and all of that, it didn't, you know, quote unquote, it didn't affect me as I grew up. I was mm-hmm. always, you know, I always told myself I'm the one that, you know, got away. I wasn't, my brother was always the one who you could really see the impact of our childhood in his life. And I was always very determined being, as I was at the time, a very type A perfectionist personality, I was determined that it was not going to impact me. And so I spent years unconsciously, of course, I wasn't, I wasn't doing it on purpose, but I was really shoving it down. I wasn't looking at it. I was just telling myself, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. And one thing that really sparked that trajectory for me of going into this combination of psychology and spirituality was I realized that there's a huge connection between childhood trauma or ACEs as they're called in the psychology Mm -hmm. community, adverse childhood experiences, and the way that your brain actually forms, the way that your brain builds itself up 
as you go on. And so people who have had an adverse childhood experience have extremely overactive fear centers in their brain. So their stress response is constantly going, which means that even the smallest stressor creates this cascade of stress hormones in the body. And stress hormones come from the adrenals. And so if the adrenals are overactive, then they start to get tired. Your adrenals impact how your thyroid is producing the hormones that it produces and all the rest of it. And so then it became this cascade of realizing that there is this stress response. There's this trauma response happening in my brain always 24 seven, because I'm not letting myself look at it and trying to shove it down is causing my body to spiral further into that reaction. And so of course my hormones are going to be so completely degraded because they are just constantly on overdrive. And I remember that was really the moment I have a notebook where I had written down all of these things from traditional Chinese medicine, looking at the, the emotional correspondent of the adrenals and your kidneys and your thyroid and all of these things. And then I had on another page, this map of how trauma impacts the brain. And I remember looking at them and going, Mm -hmm. they're saying the exact same thing. This, this modern medical knowledge that we have now in psychology and neurology and, and all of that amazing wisdom that we have now from science is just echoing what these mystics were saying thousands of years ago. And that was really the moment that I started thinking, what else did they know that we're just now, quote unquote, discovering? What else were they able to look at that we're just now coming around to because our tools are strong enough to find them now, whereas before we used our intuition and we listened to our body and we connected with nature and we had that inherent understanding that we've lost now. Mm -hmm. We have to have a tool or a test or a something to show us what intuitively we already know. And that was really what started me looking into, you know, what other scientific corollaries do we have for these spiritual phenomena, things like the chakras. It was really soon after I was sitting looking at that notebook that I started realizing that, you know, in spiritual theory, there are hundreds of chakras, but there's seven main ones that sit along your spine. Mm -hmm. And these seven chakras have different emotional components, different physical components, different energetic components. So meaning that, you know, you have your sacral chakra, which is your second chakra, and it's related to your sexual organs and your sexuality, but also to creativity and your feelings of passion and things like that for life, Mm -hmm. this sensuality, being able to interact with the world through our five senses. And looking at that and realizing that now when we look at modern anatomical figures of the nervous system. We actually have nerve plexi located along our spine in the exact places that ancient mystics have said we have what they call chakras. And it was incredible to be able to look at that and say, how could they possibly know? How could they possibly know that we had these nerve plexi, you know, and it's, it's incredible to look at, okay, When we look at the chakras now, when we're looking at them as frameworks for healing, as they were such an important part in my own healing, there are so many ways that we can use them to be able to understand our neurological health and our physiological health and our psychological health and our emotional health. They're just such a beautiful framework. And it was really this process of healing in myself that opened me up to that idea. Yeah, yeah. So let's, let's dive into the chakras. So there's seven chakras. Can you maybe go through like where they're located and how just kind of like a basic one-on-one, how they function? Um, 
together and separately? Absolutely. That's a brilliant question. So I think as with all things, I'll put a little disclaimer before this of saying that the chakras are vast, vast topics that we could spend hours talking about. So what we're going to dive into today is kind of Mm -hmm. the tip of the iceberg. There's so much more that we could talk about. But when we're looking at an overview of the chakras, just kind of chakras 101, we'll start at the root. So the root is at the base of our spine. It is our first chakra. And it's really corresponding with this feeling of foundation or security, solidity. It's like the roots of a tree. It's what connects you to this physical experience. And root chakra also corresponds in the physical world with things like financial success or feeling safe in your home environment. These feelings of, if we look at, if anybody's ever heard of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, those like safety needs that we have at the base of the pyramid, their root chakra represents our solidity in our human life. And so physiologically, it also connects to our skeletal system and our muscles. And so our bones, our fingernails, our teeth, if we have symptoms in those parts of our physical body, it's very likely something happening with the root chakra. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, you know, there are direct corollaries as well of if someone's having that financial stress, we see a higher indication of sciatica in those clients. And so there are some correlations that we can look at. And, you know, if a client comes in and they say, oh, I'm I'm having really, really terrible sciatica, then it's this, this knowing of, okay, let's take a look at your root chakra, how financially secure are you feeling? How safe are you feeling in your physical environment? Do Mm -hmm. you have any residual childhood trauma, anything that happened in your younger years that made your foundation in the world cracked from the start? Those kinds of questions Mm -hmm. are really rooted in the Mm -hmm. root chakra. So like abandonment and not feeling safe or physical abuse or moving around from home to home, or even um, I was thinking adoption would maybe affect that root where it's our safety and our security and our stability and our comfort. Is that right? Absolutely. Anything that particularly if we're looking at things that happened in childhood, anything that caused you to feel like the world was unpredictable or uncontrollable Mm -hmm. or that you were just being blown from one place to another, that you were forced to be put in situations that you wouldn't have put yourself in, those feelings of unsafety and discomfort, Mm -hmm. those will very often impact the root chakra. Things like abandonment and those kinds of things are also really interesting because if they impact your sense of safety, then absolutely they impact your root chakra. But abandonment can also impact us in our heart chakra Mm -hmm. because that's our center of love and belonging that we'll talk about in a minute. And But yes, anything that impacts that sense of feeling safe And like the world is, I always like to use the analogy, anything that didn't make you feel like you were being hugged by the world will Mm -hmm. impact your root chakra because it immediately gives you that sense of isolation and vulnerability. And it takes away that solid foundation that we have to build the rest of our life on. And so, you know, in the example that, that I was giving of healing my own root issue, there's a reason we call it a root issue, right? Because it's at the deepest part of ourselves. And a lot of times that's where that childhood trauma goes. And so for me, there was a lot of root healing of looking at how can I feel safe in my physical environment? How can I reduce my anxiety when I'm in a social situation? What is it that's causing those feelings of anxiety in the first place? Mm -hmm. And how can we work with the root chakra to reinstill that belief that I'm always safe, that I'm okay, that I'm solid and I'm here? So what if like a parent was a victim of of like war circumstances um, and then they 
come into that relationship with their child or their children um, with that fear, does that transfer so that it could be some, you know, does that transfer to maybe a root chakra imprint? That's a brilliant question. Yes, it it absolutely can. And this is why, you know, there's there are two phrases that are really coming to mind when you're asking that question. The first is hurting people hurt people. I'm sure you've heard that one. And it's this idea that when we ourselves are wounded, when we are dealing with however you want to call it, an imbalanced chakra, an unhealed trauma, a mental illness, what whatever resonates for you there or, or pertains to your personal experience, when we're dealing with those internal wounds, we have less of an ability to regulate ourselves and our responses to other people. And so something that I always like to, to tell students that I often get a lot of pushback on, but I think the more we feel into it, the more it makes sense is that everybody's doing the best they can with what they have. And what I mean by that is we all carry with us a set of circumstances, past traumas, beliefs that were passed on, limiting beliefs about ourselves, internal wounds, ideas about how the world should work, ideas about how we've become a victim, how we've been done wrong, ideas about how we could and should be able to fix those things. We all have a very wide array of, you could call them personality traits, you could call them, I call them spiritual dust sometimes, these layers of things that we've picked up that form our framework for the world. And within our own framework, we're all doing the best that we can. Even if from the outside, that best seems lacking or it seems hurtful. And so this is really where that phrase, hurting people hurt people, comes from, is this idea that when we are hurting, we have no choice. There's again, there's the phrase, as above, so below, as within, so without. That's a very like common spiritual thought, but it, it works with this sense of being wounded as well. When we're wounded internally, often that wound is projected externally. And so when we have a parent who was, you know, in a war, or we see this a lot with with um, children of the Great Depression, growing up and raising kids in that scarcity mindset, that victim yeah. mindset, it does transfer, not because they're willingly harming their children or they're willingly passing on these things, but that's what we call in in the spiritual community. And it's starting to be picked up in, in the psychological community as well, generational trauma, these right. things that we unconsciously pass on. And what we're doing now, which I love, and I think it's beautiful, is looking at the mental health community now who is so aware, this new generation that's coming up, who's so incredibly aware of their emotions and their traumas and their wounds and all of these things. And there's some pushback in that community right now saying, oh, they're they're too sensitive. They're not yeah. everything has to be a problem. And when I look at that, it's this idea of that's true, right? There's always going to be a pendulum swing where we go from one extreme, like we had, you know, in the area of, of Great Depression, where nobody talked about anything. There's going to be that pendulum swing to the other extreme of talking about everything. But how amazing is it that in the process of this swing, that in the process of raising this generation who is so aware and who is so willing to go in and break those bonds and heal those traumas, that we are undoing years and years and generations and generations of cycles of imbalanced chakras, passed on traumas, limiting beliefs that were passed from parent to child. It's an amazing process that, again, it'll take some time to find that even place at the bottom of the pendulum swing. But for now, this is really what I see that this next generation is doing is healing those traumas that you're talking about and bringing more inherent alignment into our energetic systems by releasing those shackles and releasing those those bonds and boundaries that have been keeping us stuck in these recurrent cycles. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I think everybody can resonate with that one a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I think that the, the shift is to move out of that victim role, right? To see all the traumas and to move through them and to move out of that victim role into the empowerment, which means processing those feelings instead of holding that grudge and like being the victim to them. And that's exactly. where the that's where the growth and the progress comes. Absolutely. And that's really where as a practitioner, this is part of why I love using the chakras so much, because whether you are really into the spiritual side of them and, and you hold on to that belief that there are these energetic centers and they have all of this spiritual wisdom and implications, or you're more on the psychological or neurological side of going, you know, we have nervous system plexi here. And if our nervous system's dysregulated, then those plexi will be dysregulated. Or we have these psychological impacts of things like trauma or not being able to speak up that we get stuck. You know, we all know that there's such a thing as stuck emotions or yeah. the physiological impacts to trauma. And so when we look at the chakras, this is really why I love them so much because whether you are really deeply rooted in new age spirituality or even the mystic origins of the chakras, or you're more on that scientific psychology side, they, what they really do is they give us a framework of being yeah. able to understand ourselves better. And I think that's what we all need when it comes to our healing, no matter which sphere we're using to come to that understanding, I think we all need a framework to be able to say, this makes so much sense. I'm not crazy. I'm not alone. I'm not the only one. I have X situation, which impacted Y sphere of my life and gave yeah. me the result in my waking life. And when we can understand ourselves in that way, when we have this framework, not only do we have that inherent understanding and step towards accepting ourselves and finding that compassion for our situation. But now we also have tools that we can use to be able to move forward and not stay stuck anymore. And so moving on to the second yeah. chakra in this conversation, mm -hmm. we have sacral chakra and sacral chakra yeah. is located just underneath your belly button. So mm -hmm. on a woman, it's on that fleshy part of your lower stomach where your womb is. And, yeah. and oftentimes it is called your womb chakra. And I have I have a personal soft spot for sacral chakra because I think it doesn't get as much credit as it deserves for all of the fears and all of the roles that it plays in our life. So sacral chakra on a very basic level is, like I said earlier, it's related to our sexual organs and our sexual function, but it's also related to things like creativity or our passion or again, our sensuality, how we interact with the physical world through our five senses, that sensuality. And what I love about sacral chakra is it really is, you know, manifestation is a really hot topic in the spiritual community right now. But when we look at sacral chakra, I love to call sacral chakra our center of manifestation, because if you think about it, birth is a process of manifestation, bringing a child into the world, anything creative, whether you're a dancer or a painter or a poet or a construction worker, anything we do that creates something in this physical world is manifesting. When we are interacting with the physical world. We're using this energetic neurological experience to be able to touch the physical world. That in and of itself is an act of manifestation. And so sacral chakra to me is really this seat of the divine. And in Reiki, which is, is one of the other primary tools in, in my personal toolbox. In Reiki, there are three, what they call dantians or three centers of energy. And one of them is located exactly where the sacral chakra is in, you know, Hindu cultures, which is where the chakras originated from. And so there is a lot of overlap, whether you're looking at the chakras or Reiki or 
Buddhism or anything like that, there's a lot of overlap that we have about the sacred nature of our gut. You know, we all talk about our gut instincts or things like that. So sacral chakra is one of those chakras, very much like the third eye and the heart that shows up across cultures and across spiritual traditions and across mystic traditions. And it's a really fascinating place because it can also hold on to a lot of trauma or feelings that we have about, you know, whether it's a sexual abuse or a sexual trauma that we store in our sacral chakra, or it's, you know, um, not being able to create. It can be something as, you know, quote unquote, small. And this is where I think it's also really important when we're talking about trauma and healing, that there are no small traumas. If it caused you to feel harmed, if it caused you to feel small, if it caused you to feel less than, then it is a trauma and it does impact you. And I remember when I was in the process of healing, I was having a lot of issues with my back and I went to the chiropractor and my, my chiropractor who does not have a trauma informed practice. And I would not recommend approaching this the way that she did to anyone, but it was okay because I was aware enough in my journey that it, it was okay. But she asked me as she was working on me, she was like, is there any chance that you've had sexual abuse in your past? Which again, is not something you should ever ask anybody. But she knew me enough to know that I was I was very into psychology and healing and trauma. And so I, I shared a little bit about my past. And she was like, you know, it's so interesting. I have so many patients who are healing from that kind of abuse who have problems with these specific vertebrae. And so I find it fascinating that even in something like a chiropractic practice that's not related to energy, it's just related to your skeletal system and, and alignment, that even they can see these correlations. And so... I feel like sacral chakra is often overlooked, but when we tap into that sense of our inner child or our creativity or our passion for life, we're yeah. really tapping into that sacral chakra energy in our lives. Well, and think about the statistics for sexual abuse or assault are massive. So you're thinking, you know, one out of two people and it's super underreported or dealing with a trauma to that area. And then I also think too, it could be a sexual trauma, which is huge, but it also could be your art teacher telling you in second grade that your art is total shit. And that just damages your psyche and gives you a wound in that same area as well. And then I also wonder kind of with your gut, you know, your gut, I have that gut feeling and that intuition. I wonder if that damages our intuition because we don't trust our sacral anymore. Absolutely. And there's a lot of, there's actually a really fascinating study going on right now. And I, I'm not sure if it's concluded or not, but they've been studying the connection between the neurons that they found. There's a specific kind of neuron that they found that we have in our gut. And I believe yeah. they found that we have more neurons in our gut than we do in our brain, yeah. which is amazing. And so they're really diving into this gut-brain connection. And there are a lot of studies happening about you know, your gut health and the health of your nervous system, and then things like your intuitive abilities. And this is where, you know, if anybody has ever heard of human design, this is human design is kind of like love, astrology. Love human design. Love human design. Okay, great. And we talk about the sacral all the time about mm -hmm. connecting to your sacral and finding that kind of internal fountain of wisdom that we have within us. And so again, this is where sacral chakra becomes such an important part, not that it's more important than the other chakras. But again, I think it's underrated. I think it yeah. doesn't get as much credit as it deserves for being so full of potential in our own healing because it is that place of intuition and internal wisdom. And so a lot of times when we see people like myself who had PCOS or who have issues with infertility or things like this, 
one of my first questions when I'm working with a client is where have we become disconnected from ourselves, from our inherent core, from our truth, from our passion, from our purpose, from our creativity, however you want to call it, whatever resonates with that person, where have we become disconnected? Where have Mm -hmm. we learned to fear our intuition or to not trust ourselves? And how can we come back into that alignment with our own true nature? Yeah. 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 So then moving on, we have the third chakra, which is our solar plexus. And our solar plexus is located just under that V at the bottom of your ribs. So it's in that soft, fleshy spot Mm -hmm. between your ribs. And the solar plexus is one of the larger nerve plexi that we have along our spine where the chakras are located. And our solar plexus has a lot to do with our digestion, a lot to do with our liver function, our pancreas, things like that. All of those digestive organs that we have in the Mm -hmm. upper half of our abdominal cavity. And energetically, the solar plexus is all about how you digest life. It's your inner fire that you have of what's your purpose? What's your motivation? What's your sense of I am? Your Mm -hmm. identity, your personality is very much connected to your solar plexus. And so one of the things that we see so often here and now in this time working with clients is again and again, this belief that so many people have of I'm not enough. I'm not worthy. Yes, is rooted in your solar plexus. And so what's fascinating about that is we are in a time of Mm -hmm. rising instances of diabetes and liver issues and intestinal distress and stomach issues. That's all we talk about lately is gut health, right? I mean, it's all over the place. There's so many people struggling with it. Yeah. Yeah. And when we look at that, and again, correlation does not equal causation in science, but when I look at my clients and our students, Along with that rise in intestinal distress, we have a rise in feeling that we're not enough, that we're not worthy, that we don't know who we are or why we're here or what our purpose is or what we're supposed to be doing. Or, you know, we have that thought of who am I to be doing X, Y, Z? Who am I to be stepping into this role? Who am I to whatever it is? And that feeling of being weakened. You spoke earlier about the victim mentality, which is so poignant right now. And victim mentality is really housed in that solar plexus of when we're not able to step into our power, step into our truth, when we're not able to ignite that fire and let, you know, to have kind of a cliche term here, to let that light shine that we have inside of us. That's really where we start looking at those imbalances in the solar plexus. Mm -hmm. I mean, I belong to a lot of women's groups and sharing circles. and, um, And that's when people are like really open and vulnerable And I hear that theme, I'm not enough, come up, I would say, over half of the time. And and this is a group of really um, spiritually evolved people that are actually willing to go there and admit it and and face it. So imagine like it's such a huge issue in our society because a lot of people, I guess, just ignore um, these parts of ourselves. I mean, me included, right? We ignore these parts of ourselves that we don't want to honor and acknowledge. Um, and it takes a lot of strength to look at that and to face whatever those thoughts or feelings are in, in, inside ourselves. Yeah. yeah. And that's where, I mean, if you, if you think about our society right now and our culture right now, we can't step outside without there being some kind of message or advertisement or product yeah. on the shelves that's telling us that we aren't enough. Even, and this is something that I don't think a lot of people think about, even the self-help movement right now, 
yeah. is telling us that there's something wrong with us, that we need help for, yeah. that we need to fix. And one thing that I love about Reiki and shamanic traditions is it's not about fixing yourself. It's not about finding a wound or a part of you that's broken and fixing it. It's about remembering that you're already whole. You're yeah. already healed. You're already enough. We just need to figure out what's stopping you from realizing that, what's stopping you from recognizing your own inherent worth. And so yeah. self-worth is a huge issue right now because there's, it is not possible. I, I firmly believe this right now. It's not possible to grow up in the world that we've created and not have some kind of self-worth yeah. scar or wound that we then you know, have the honor and the privilege, especially in this culture and, and in America of being able to work through, right? We, yeah. we have this opportunity to do that now. And that's astounding and amazing. And it's something that I hope we never take for granted, the ability to heal these wounds. But yeah. it's always coming back to this idea that we're, we're not broken. We're not less than, we're not not enough. We're not yeah. worthless. We are worthy and enough and healed and whole and all of these things as long as we allow ourselves to remember that and we allow ourselves to actually step into that and not hold ourselves back. And that's where we go back to that victim mentality of once you've realized that you have these beliefs of I'm not enough or I'm not worthy or I can't do this or whatever it is, then it's like, okay, we have, we have the understanding. We have the realization. Let's go deeper. Let's look at what's the root issue. What caused you to believe that? Can we work through that? And then look at how is it impacting you in your daily life? And is that what you want to continue to be living from? Are those the thought processes that you want to continue to rule your life? And so then we can look at, you know, even something as simple as when one of those thoughts come up, saying to yourself, no, I'm more than that. I'm better than that. That yeah. doesn't have to be how I think anymore. Something as simple as that can help not only rewire your psychological thoughts and neural connections around whatever it is you're working through, but it actually does impact your system. I think we've all had that moment of, you know, there's that yoga pose. Um, what's it called? Hero stance, warriors. Stance. Warrior with the arms out. Yeah. 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 With the arms out and like your, your chin up and your chest out and it, you can feel that heat building where your yeah. solar plexus is that feeling of being empowered. I think we all have had, even if it's not a constant state, at least yes. a moment of feeling empowered and you feel it in your yes. stomach, you feel it mm -hmm. in your solar plexus. And it's that idea of let yeah. Step into your power. Let yourself show up for yourself. Yeah. It's funny that you say that because I, when I teach public classes, that's one of the things I'll, I'll get everybody in a warrior pose. And there's a warrior pose where your arms and legs are kind of floppy, but you're making the shape. And then there's ones where you like ground your feet in and you like shoot energy out through your fingertips and your arms are strong. And, and then it's like embracing this warrior power and then you feel it. I feel like people walk out of that class more confident. They're standing up a little bit taller because they've embraced that power that's within them versus that floppy stance. It doesn't have any power and connection to our body. Yeah. 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 We would say that that's a solar plexus activation. That's something yeah. that's bringing up that feeling. Again, whether it's energetically or emotionally or psychologically, it's bringing up that feeling of being empowered, of being enough, yeah. of believing in yourself. And that's an amazing gift to give people. So thank you for doing that for your students because everybody needs, everybody yeah. needs that in their life yeah. right now. Yeah. I am doing um, a couple of your trainings at Reiki Cafe University. Um, and the thing that I thought that was really interesting is um, I'm in one of your chakra workshops was that um, 
and I say this because I'm a yoga teacher and I'm, I'm a meditator and I spend a, a lot of time, especially this year, I'm making a commitment to like meditate daily and more, um, that until you heal the first three chakras, you can spend all your time dealing with the upper chakras and the meditation. But until you heal those bottom three chakras, um, it's almost like, I don't want to say like a waste of time. Help me word this properly. It's not going to go as deep because again, those first three chakras, they are your foundations. Again, if we go back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, we have those safety needs and we have our needs for, you know, sexual and emotional fulfillment. And we have our needs for personal power and feeling motivated and knowing who we are. We have these foundational needs that need to be able to be expressed that need to be really solid before we can start looking at the higher level needs, before we can start looking yeah. at expressing ourselves or loving someone else or letting ourselves be loved or developing our spirituality. Before we can go to these higher level needs, we have to deal with the necessities. And those necessities really are located in those bottom three chakras because they are that seat of power, that seat of wisdom, that seat of security, these places that we have to be able to rest in ourselves in order to heal. Because if we're, again, if we're not looking at the root causes, if we're not diving in deeply into what's going on with us, the why of where we are, then we're just putting band-aids on top. And eventually what's underneath is going to have to be dealt with. And it's so much better to be able to deal with that from the start than have to peel back all the layers of band-aids that you put on top before you can actually get to the root issue. Yeah. Yeah. So then we have moving up one more than we have heart chakra. And I think everybody's, everybody's familiar with our heart chakra. And our heart chakra is, again, it's that sense of love and belonging. It's our sense of community. It's our sense of harmony. It's our sense of balance. It's our sense of what I call communion, being able to sit in the presence of another soul and feel that connection. You know, in yoga, you have namaste and your hands are placed together at the heart. And there's that sense of unity of one hand connecting to another. The light in me sees the light in you. That honoring of this vast, deep, beautiful experience we have of being a spiritual being and a human being, witnessing another spiritual being and another human being. Mm -hmm. And that act of recognition, that giving and receiving is really centered in heart chakra. Mm -hmm. And what I love about heart chakra is, again, not only is it our sense of communion with another person, but it's also our sense of communion with ourselves. Of are we able to love ourselves? Are we able to receive love? Are we able to give love? Are we able to come into that heart center of space? And so physiologically, heart chakra is connected with obviously your heart, but it's also connected with your immune system. It's connected with your lungs. It's connected with um, your lymph tissue. And so something that I find really fascinating is there was a study done a few years ago, I believe, that showed that in women who go through a divorce or have a traumatic relationship or abusive relationship, there's a higher incidence of breast cancer in these women. And if we look at the heart chakra, like you were talking about at the start, those feelings of abandonment, those feelings of not receiving the love that they needed, our our breast tissue is connected to our heart chakra. And so looking at the symbolism of that and the impact of that, and just noticing again how it's one of those places where science and spirituality have begun to overlap and show that, no, our emotions and our energy and our psychology really do impact our physical health. Yeah. And I think it's balancing that give and take, right? There's people that just give and give and give and give from the heart and they're not able to receive and that's not in balance. 
And so it's finding that, that balance between the two. Absolutely. And this is where, you know, that, again, that balance, that center of harmony in our heart, when we look at it from a spiritual perspective, the left side of our body is very feminine and it's our receiving side. Are we able to let ourselves receive? Whereas the right side of our body is very masculine and it's our giving energy. And so noticing, you know, if you're dealing with a physical whether it's a full disease or it's just a symptom or a discomfort, noticing which side it's on. I remember when I was dancing, all of my injuries, every single one was on the left side. I never once had a right-sided injury in my entire dancing career, which Mm -hmm. is unheard of. Mm -hmm. And looking at that and looking at what I was dealing with at the time of of healing trauma and feeling like I wasn't worthy and feeling like I wasn't able to be seen, I wasn't allowing myself to receive any help. I wasn't allowing myself to receive any kind of nurturing energy or love or connection or anything because I felt so unworthy in myself that the only way that I felt safe was to isolate myself. And so, of course, this left side was really struggling because I wasn't sitting in that feminine energy. I wasn't letting myself receive these things that I needed in order to be balanced. And so I was in a chronic state of imbalance. And that's one of the more powerful takeaways from heart chakra is looking at, like you said, that balance. And is there an even give and take happening in our energy, in our emotions, in our thought processes, in our love, etc. Yeah. I see that in the spiritual community. There's a lot of empaths and the empaths are really good at giving and there is that struggle to receive. Yeah. 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 And empaths, a lot of times it feels scary to receive because you walk into a room and you're picking up on everybody's energy. Right. And so then you don't, you don't want to receive as much because you're already overloaded with information. And so that's something that I'm really passionate about helping people with is how can we use this gift of being an empath in a way that it actually is a gift and it's not a burden anymore, where it doesn't feel so heavy, where you know that you don't have to take on those emotions. You don't have to be struggling, but it can be a really empowering thing. And right now I think we're missing that quite a bit. We don't have that understanding of, of what it really means to be an empath and how much of a gift it is in today's day and age and in our spiritual and psychological lives, how much power we have in that. Yeah. Yeah. And so then we have moving up one more, we have our throat chakra. And our throat chakra is our center of communication, whether that's talking like I am now or listening like you are, vice versa. Both of those, again, that give and take of giving words or receiving words and being able to sit and really witness somebody. Throat chakra is also what I like to call a center of manifestation as well, because to me, our words are really our first manifestation. Our words are the first time that a thought or a nervous system impulse, or an energetic idea, or whatever you want to call it, where an energetic something, like a radio wave, comes through and is transmitted into the physical. It's the first time that our energy meets with this physical world and can be witnessed. And so our throat chakra is incredibly powerful. There was work done by Dr. Masaru Emoto. He was a a Japanese physicist, I believe. Um, But he he was in the scientific community, and he did a series of studies on water. And what he did is he took water and this really powerful microscope that could see the crystalline structure of this water. And he would say different words to the water, or he would play different kinds of music, or he would write a word on paper and put it under the Petri dish. And then he'd look at 
the crystal instructors. And what he found was that the positive loving words, the beautiful, pure classical music, things like that made these stunning symmetrical crystals yeah. in the water. But then words like I hate you or you're not enough or heavy metal music made these really disturbed patterns in yeah. the water. And what this really showed us is that our words actually do have incredible power. And I mean, think about it. If, if one word, if enough, is enough to make a beautiful crystal in a little petri dish yeah. of water, and we ourselves are more than 75% water, imagine how much your words are impacting you. And yeah. not only your words, but he also showed that our thoughts impact us as well by writing a word on water and sticking it on the bottom. So he wasn't even saying it. It was just the intention of that word. And it's something that, you know, it feels really, quote unquote, woo woo. It feels really out there to think that, you know, yeah. our thoughts can impact water. But it's this huge body of work that he dedicated his life to. And he's he's written books on it. You can actually yeah. go read it. Yeah. Highly encourage you to do so if you haven't. But it was this fascinating study that showed our words have power and they're incredibly impactful. And so then, you know, physiologically, our throat chakra is tied to uh, our thyroid and our throat and our tonsils and our adenoids. And I was actually talking with my fiance the other day, and he's just starting to get really curious about all of this as he's been witnessing me and my work and talking about things like this. And he came up to me the other day and he was like, I just remembered I had my tonsils and my adenoids out when I was a kid. And then he was like, no, they wanted to take my adenoids out. They just took my tonsils out, but my sister had both of hers taken out. Now Mm -hmm. his family was very strict Christian. There was a lot of, there was a lot of unhealthy patterns in that family. Yeah. And so we, we talked about it and I said, think about how symbolic it is that your tonsils were taken out, that you were silenced for yeah. looking at the throat chakra and how your sister was more silenced and how there was that pattern of, because she was a woman, she needed to be quieter. And he yeah. just had this moment of, I have never thought of it that way before, but it's so true. And that was really around the time where, you know, there had been chronic strep throat in the family after an experience that nobody was allowed to talk about. And how yeah. after that, that's when they had their tonsils removed and just the stunning symbolism of that. Yeah. And so thinking about, you know, in your own life, have you had your tonsils out? Have you had, I had really terrible strep throat as a kid and around the time that I was sick and starting to remember everything that had happened in my childhood, I actually had an abscessed tonsil. Um, and looking back at the time, it's, it, you know, it was symbolic of me not talking about things, of holding it all yeah. in. And so it had that energy, that thought, that feeling had to come out somehow. And so it came out through my tonsil. And thinking about yeah. the, the implications of that is really fascinating. I find a lot of women in particular have a lot of throat chakra imbalances. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I just really um, found out recently that I had an imbalance in my throat chakra. Um, and I, and I it stunned me because I'm like, what? No, I'm an extrovert. I speak my mind. I share my opinions. And I do. I'm very verbal. I share. I, I share from my heart all the time. Um, but there are certain circumstances where I was holding my tongue. Um, and I even had a Reiki session and in it, I felt like my throat was clogged. And then I started feeling this pain in my throat. And, uh, I was like, oh, I, that's, <laughs> I need to work on this. I think sometimes we don't even know when something's blocked. Um, maybe cause it's been a pattern that's so old. Yeah. And yeah. that's, again, that's, that's the beauty and the power of working with things like, Reiki or the chakras is it again, it gives us a framework to be able to look at these things that we've not looked at for so long, these things that we've kept in the shadows or pushed to the side for so long that they're just part of who we are. And it gives us a tool to be able to realize that 
they don't have to be part of who they are, that we can, we can choose differently. We can expand beyond those limitations as long as we have the knowledge and the tools to be able to do so. Yeah. I mean, one of the exercises you guys had on yours was to sing out loud. Um, and I used to, in my yoga training, I used to love chanting. I suck at singing, but I'm pretty good at chanting because it's, it's a different kind of tune. Um, and nobody was in the house that day. And I turned on one of my favorite songs and I just started belting it out. And then I realized that I don't do that very much. And just, just that belting out of that music and that song, I just started feeling in my heart and in my body and it just kind of opened up. And that's like a simple thing that we can do to open that area up and just, we don't think about it. Yeah. And that's, again, that's a beautiful point. And thank you for bringing that up of these little things that we can do to bring ourselves back into balance, to activate those senses, those emotions, those energies in each chakra. So, you know, in in throat chakra, we can sing. In heart chakra, we can take deep breaths or we can give someone a hug. So we have that heart to heart connection. Solar plexus, we talked about that warrior pose. Mm -hmm. In sacral chakra, you can go create something, go get a coloring book, go paint, go have a dance party, go Mm -hmm. do something that you love to do when you were a kid that you haven't done in a really long time. Root chakra, go walk around outside barefoot, go hug a tree, even though it sounds, you know, it sounds woo-woo, be a tree hugger for a day. It's okay. Like there's so much healing to be found when we are connected with nature or even, you know, stomping your feet or just planting your feet firmly on the floor and feeling that solidity underneath you is amazing. And I encourage people to try that because you had that in your chakra workshop was to go outside barefoot and stomp on the ground. And uh, my husband and I were outside at 11 o'clock at night thinking our neighbors were going to think we were crazy. We were like burning things and stomping around. Um, But yesterday I was in the basement all day. I was doing podcasting and editing and um, and I was feeling it. And so I went outside in the sunshine, took off my shoes and stepped on the ground and walked around the yard and it, I felt it, it grounded me. It is those little tiny things that don't take a long time that we can do for ourselves to just kind of slowly build, build back those chakras in a healthy place. Exactly. Exactly. And so then, you know, moving on to our sixth chakra, we have our third eye, which everybody's familiar with Mm -hmm. third eye. It's one of the chakras, again, like sacral and like heart that shows up across so many different religions and spiritual ideologies and cultures. And, you know, even fantasy books talk about the third eye. It's it's Mm -hmm. that that seat of perception of being able to sense beyond the physical, being able to see into the spiritual and understand what I call the spiritual blueprint that underlies all of our physical experiences. And, you know, now, of course, we talk about quantum physics and we talk about the energy that is underneath the physical. And we can see that this is a thing, that there actually is something beyond what we're able to perceive with our five senses. And so we have that sixth sense of spiritual sight, being able to go deeper, to look beyond. And so physiologically, the third eye is corresponding with your brain and with your central nervous system, but it's also specifically corresponding with your pineal gland. And your pineal gland is this amazing little like pine nut sized gland in your brain that activates. They've done studies on this. They brought monks down from a mountain and they had them meditate and they studied their brains while they were meditating and their pineal gland activates. And your pineal gland, when it, it goes into a specific state of activation, it actually releases this liquid that's really rare. And to the ancients and the mystics, it was really treasured. There have actually, there are ancient stories about monks who have died and have this blue liquid 
that comes out of their orifices. And we now know that that liquid is actually the liquid of the pineal gland. It's the secretion mm-hmm. that your pineal gland secretes when it is activated. And this liquid has immense benefits. It has so many nutrients and it has a lot of chemicals and hormones that are related with seeing and with increased activation of our intuitive centers. But our pineal gland also activates when we're dreaming or when we're in a hypnotic state or when we're doing breath work or things like this. And so not only do we have, you know, these mystical stories about our third eye and spiritual sight, but we also actually have this gland in our brain that corresponds with all of those stories and that has many of the, the, sim, the same functions and ignites and activates when we are in these deep trance-like states. Yeah. And so again, it's one of those places where science and spirituality overlap. Maybe that's why yoga is so powerful because it's linking the movement with the breath and like grounding into the body. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime that we can really connect to our body as a system instead of individual elements. And you mentioned this at the start of how do the chakras work individually, but then also as a whole of Mm. looking at our chakras, they aren't just individual centers. They are an entire system that works together. And so I'll, I'll wrap this up by talking about the crown chakra and then how they all connect. So our, our seventh chakra is our crown chakra and our crown chakra is really the center of, you know, divine connection of, of being connected to something greater than ourselves. And this is where, you know, if you're a Reiki practitioner, Reiki comes in through the crown or, you know, in old medieval paintings, we have people depicted with auras around their head, these golden mm-hmm. glowing halos around their head. This idea of a spiritual divine connection that we have in our crown chakra of being so deeply at one with the universe, with God, with source, with spirit, with whatever it is that, that resonates with you, that sense of connection. And What I love about this and what I love about ending with the crown chakra is when we go from root to crown, we're going from physical to spiritual. We're seeing that evolution. We're seeing that lightening, lightening of our energy as it goes from dense physical matter to energy, to space, to time, to all of these really advanced and abstract concepts that we can then use to look at ourselves as a whole. Because again, each chakra has its own individual component, its own individual physiological connection, emotional connection, energetic connection that we've talked about, but they also work all as a system. So if your root chakra is out of balance, it's going to impact all of your other chakras. If your heart chakra is out of balance, or again, if that left side is kind of asleep, the left side of all your other chakras will probably be impacted as well. They are a system that works together. And so a lot of times when people start to work with their chakras or they start their healing journey, again, whether they're approaching it from a psychological perspective or an energetic perspective, it can feel like everything comes out at once. Like you pull on the thread and then it just keeps coming. There's so many other things to work on. Mm -hmm. And the analogy that I use for when we start this work is it's like cleaning out your closet. You know, when you go to clean out your closet, everything has to come out and you turn around and suddenly your floor is covered in so many things. It is such a mess. And there's that moment where you think to yourself, I should have just kept it all in the closet. I should have just let it be. It was was fine. And then you get to that point where you start sorting through it and you say, Mm -hmm. this one's no longer mine. This one I'll keep. And you organize it. And eventually it gets to a point where you put it all back in the closet and not only can you see it. But everything that's in that closet now is serving you and it's organized and you know where it is and there aren't any surprises and it feels really clean. And then you get to donate. You get to throw away all of these things that don't serve you anymore. And mm-hmm. we all know how how amazing it feels to have accomplished cleaning yeah. out a closet. 
right? Mm -hmm. And it's that same thing with healing. There is a moment always when it comes to healing where we think I should have left it all in the closet. I was doing okay before. Yep. But would you rather be okay or would you Uh, rather be great? Like, would you rather be able to open that closet and not be afraid of yourself anymore? I think is the top takeaway from working with all of this and finding whatever resonates for you. You know, the shockers might not resonate for you and that's okay. I think for me, it always comes back down to this is a framework and a path that I have found that has helped me to understand so much about myself and the world around me and my place in it. And it's helped so many of my students and my clients do the same, but I never expect it to help everybody because we Mm -hmm. are all unique. We all have our own unique perspectives and ways of understanding the world. And it's about finding what works for us, finding what brings us home is how I phrase it. What helps you to connect? What helps you to feel whole? What helps you to feel like you have the strength and the tools to be able to open that closet door and sort through it all so that at the end of the day, you aren't afraid of yourself anymore. You feel whole and complete. You feel like you have the tools and the knowledge and the ability and the understanding and the support to do everything that you need to do and to be able to come into that, again, that recognition that nothing needs to be fixed, that you are enough, that you are healed, that you are whole and you can walk forward in that. And that to me is the most important thing about healing, whether you come to it through the chakras or through a self-help book or through Reiki or through therapy or through, you know, studying neurology or whatever it is for you. Can you find that thing that brings you home is really to me the most important part. Yeah. 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 Where would somebody start though, if they, if they were interested in the chakras and they're interested in, in kind of healing through this path, where would be a good starting point? That's a fantastic question. So we have at Reiki Cafe University, if I might do a little plug here, we do have courses on the chakras. We also have a podcast and we go into a lot of depth about the chakras, but we also have a lot of resources for beginners on the Mm -hmm. chakras blog where we dive into that as well. And you know, this is going to sound silly, but honestly, Google is something about what I said today really resonated with you. And you're thinking, wow, you know, my solar plexus really is out of whack, but I don't know what to do about it. Start Googling, start looking for what symptom you're experiencing and its connection to the solar plexus. And it's Mm -hmm. really, I believe that when you do this, when you open yourself up to that, you will find the resources that resonate for you. And so whether that's, you know, Reiki Cafe and the way that we explain the chakras, or that's another spiritual school, or it's a blog, or it's a book. There are so many amazing resources out there on the chakras. And I think the best way that you can do it is start to think about what is it in my life that I'm ready to heal? What about this podcast resonated for me. And the other thing that you can do, I absolutely adore talking about all of this. This is my life's passion and purpose. And so if you have a question, if you are listening to this podcast and you're thinking, oh, you know, my sacral chakra feels a little out there. And, you know, I was thinking about painting, but I wasn't sure if that would work. And you just want to talk about it. Send me an email, mm-hmm. message me on Facebook. Let's, let's talk about it. Let's yeah. find what's going to work for you because there's, there are so many avenues through which you can work with the chakras and when you take that first step, it can feel overwhelming and that's okay because there is so much information, but when you have someone there to help guide you through it and to help you understand what's next and what's next and what's next, then you can really create this map and this framework for your own healing. Yeah. Yeah. And I've started those courses with you all. Um, I interviewed Christine and uh, it's on my podcast. It's Reiki and Shamanic Healing. 
I was super impressed with her. I started listening to Reiki Cafe Radio. I was super impressed with both of you. And now I'm doing the training. Um, and I was not kind of a believer in chakras. It's actually the part of the training that I was not interested in. Um, and it's super fascinating. I've learned so much. I've been in the program for such a short time and, um, I've learned a lot. There's a lot of information and knowledge, and then there's a lot of ex exercises and space for self-exploration and, um, and healing. And it's been really interesting. You guys do a great job. Oh, thank you. That means, that means so much. And, and if I will, um, we have, we actually have a free workshop on the chakras that gives you an overview of the chakras, but it also gives you really tangible tools that you can use for each one to be able to activate that chakra and understand it a little better. And so I will give Nikki the link for that workshop. So all you have to do is put in your email and then you'll get sent the workshop video as well as the workbook that goes along with it so that you can really start to dive in. That's a fantastic place to start with the chakras and get some tools in your tool belt so that you know that you have something tangible that you can use to start making a difference in your health and in your well-being and in how you feel day to day. Yeah. And this is a complex, vast topic. And I um, do feel like we just touched barely on it. There's so much more. Um, so can you just really quickly go over how people can find you um, through Reiki Cafe and the podcast and all, all your social media links? Absolutely. So we're on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube at Reiki Cafe University. We have a website at ReikiCafeUniversity.com where you can find all of our courses as well as our blog and other free offerings. We do weekly live conversations in our Facebook group where we go over many, many different topics around healing, Reiki, chakras, business, so many things there. We also have our podcast, Reiki Cafe Radio, which is really exciting and, and absolutely one of my favorite things to do. And that's actually how Nikki found us was through our podcast. So definitely go check it out. We're on all of the most popular podcasting platforms. And then, of course, you can find me in the Reiki Cafe Facebook group, or you can send me an email at Isabel at ReikiCafeUniversity.com. And yeah, we have we have so many different ways of connecting, but those are definitely the ones that we have the most following on. We have about 4,000 members in our Reiki Cafe community Facebook group and over 90,000 downloads on our podcast. So I hope that you find something that resonates for you. And of course, if you have any questions, if you want to book a session, if you even just want to connect with me, I love having these what I call connect calls, these 20-minute chats that I do complimentary, of course, just connecting with the people in this community, answering questions, helping you dive in a little bit deeper and find what your next path is and what's right for you in this journey. So Nikki will have all of those links and you guys can click them and connect with me. I would love to hear from you, even if it's just a hey, to say that you heard the podcast. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time and for the work that you do. I really um, could talk to you about this for weeks. <laughs> And I just appreciate you being here today. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much, Nikki. It was an honor and a joy. And I can't wait to, to be able to connect with you again. Thank you for listening to the Connected Community Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please like, share, and subscribe. I can be found at www.nikkyyoga.com. N-I-C-K-Y-Y-Y-O-G-A.com. Until I see you again next week, I hope you have a beautiful day.